Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Corner Office. It's time to talk about Super Bowl sadness. Something that Jack and I have not really been looking forward to since we started this NFL season. It's finally over. It's too bad. Um, and I know we're going to get into a little bit more about our opinions on said NFL season and, you know, how the Super Bowl game went. But having this many months without football does kind of suck. So uh, I just want to, you know, say... It's sad that it's over, but I'm glad that we're getting a little bit more into playoff basketball time, which will be a fun time. But, you know, always sad when the Super Bowl ends. Yeah, for sure. And especially when it ends in this fashion, there's nothing worse than waking up on Super Bowl Sunday and being like, damn, this team won or my team lost. And now we have to wait six more months for football to start. And it sucks even more when at the start of the season, we in week one, we're saying that there's no chance it was their year. And then they came out and proved us wrong again. But this Super Bowl hurt for me for a different reason. It's because the Chiefs finally cemented their legacy as being one of, up there with the upper echelon of dynasties of all time in the NFL. Mm. And we were the last team to be there as Patriots fans. Yep. So I know that a lot of people can relate when I say that it it sucks seeing a team that is as good as we were when we are now so bad. And it just makes you like reminisce about those days. And I was telling some of my friends and family this Super Bowl Sunday used to be the best day of the year mm-hmm. whenever we would win. Mm-hmm. And now Super Bowl Sunday is something that we look at with no stake in the game whatsoever. And then just have to remember that our team is going to be back on the field in six months to disappoint us once again. So hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a little pessimistic, but Maybe. it would, it was definitely a bigger bummer than usual this year. Yeah, I mean, I just think that there were a lot of people who were really pulling for the two teams that got bounced early in this playoffs. I mean, like, I think both, um, I think both the general public wanted the Lions and the Baltimore Ravens to beat both the Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, The Lions, of course, were a team that we pulled for all season. They're a great feel-good story. I'm sure they will be back in that position at some point under Dan Campbell. They seem like they have really turned a corner. And his culture seems to be working. Well, um, and if you're if you're the Lions, you're very satisfied with this season. I agree. Yeah, it's the I best agree. season I mean, you've you had your in your franchise's in history. Years. You got your first. Yeah, you got your first playoff win in 31 years. Like, you can't be upset about that. Um, but going into the Super Bowl game, I think a lot of people, even though it was one of the highest viewed Super Bowls of all time, I think the most. It's it was the most. It was highly viewed. By it was ten percent higher than last year, and they broke the record last year. Wow! Yeah, so one hundred and twenty-four million people watched the Super Bowl this year, which is a lot of people. Um, and you know, it's cementing itself as the biggest game in American sports. I think it already was, um, but like, I think a lot of people weren't excited to watch this game. Personally, I personally wasn't. You know, I really, I really didn't want either of these teams to win. Um, I said in the outset that I thought the Chiefs were going to win because I thought they were a better football team, a team that was, you know, capable of getting it done. And every time that we had said it's going to be someone's year to beat the Chiefs, they seemingly pulled it out, happened again. Um, But the San Francisco team was not a team that I was pulling for either. And I don't think a lot of people were. Yeah, I think for me, I think for me, it's not so much a question of whether or not I wanted to watch the game, because obviously I thought that it was going to be a good game. Yeah, but and it was. And it was and, and there's nothing better than watching a great Super Bowl. Yep. But 
it just was the same old story of these teams that we've seen before. And then the team that got their chance to go back and beat the team that has already beaten them in Super Bowl, the 49ers, that is, didn't get the job done. So all in all, it was a disappointing Super Bowl in terms of storylines, but in terms of actual gameplay, it was fantastic. I thought it was one of the better Super Bowls that we've seen in years. I mean, I mean, besides past year, last year, I thought last year's Super Bowl was amazing. But before that, you have to think back to the Eagles and Patriots Super Bowl to have one that was that close and that down to the wire. Yeah, I agree. I mean, any game that goes to overtime, I think is probably a great game. Um, And even though, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as high scoring or high powered as I think people were expecting it to be. I think you and I were both expecting it to be around the same score that it was, um, you know, in that mid twenties range for most of the game and like mostly a ground game, which I think held true. Like neither of these quarterbacks threw for over 300 yards, right? Patrick Mahomes threw for over 300 yards. Did he? Okay. But it, yeah. it like, yeah, I guess that is what their offense does too. Um, but either way, like it wasn't nearly as high scoring or as, you know, as shootout esque as people were expecting it to be, in my opinion. I think both these Agreed. defenses were really the the pinnacles of, of each of these football teams. Um But yeah, either way, I th- I think I think your point about us being Patriots fans and the fact that that has kind of caused us to be, you know, we're spoiled in the way that we won so much for so long. But it's also upsetting to see greatness and i mean you and i have a pretty good appreciation for greatness i feel like like it's hard we to do i, I think that issues, but it's I, hard I actually appreciate them i actually think that the fact that our team is so bad now has given us an appreciation for how good our team was more so than ever and like thinking back to those days well when, when i was in the moment i knew that one day it was going to come crashing down but i think i was enjoying it too much so now when I look at the other teams in Boston that are great, I look at the Celtics with the eye that, okay, I have to really enjoy this while it happens because one day it's going to suck and one day it's going to be unwatchable. Right. But at least while it's good now, we have to enjoy it to its we fullest potential. It. But we can't keep sobbing as Patriots fans because we could l- quite literally do that all day. Yeah. So let's get into and, the actual game. Yeah. The first half to me was everyone around me. I wasn't – like my friends know football. The people that I was with know football. But, I mean, it's not like I'm watching the game with Adam Schefter and Ryan Clark. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not watching the game with super big football guys. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the first half of football. Even though it was a defensive showcase, I thought it was amazing. I think yep. that Dre Greenlaw's energy on that first drive was amazing. And I was looking at it being like, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch all game. Yeah. So when he went down with that Achilles tear, it was mildly crushing. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean... Anytime that you have a player that hurts themselves trying to get back into the game, that's bad. Like, Just because they're too fired up. It was a really, really stupid injury. It it really sucks when a player gets hurt, period. Like, you never want to see that. Nobody ever wants to see that. But to see a player who was, as you say, playing seemingly as well as he was going to in that game go down with an an Achilles tear while on the sideline, that is soul-crushing. It really does. It, It really does. Um, make you wonder if that could have changed the game for the San Francisco 49ers defense. And he was so fun. He had two tackles on that first drive out of the three plays. He was looking to be a difference maker. 
And I'm not saying that the guy that came in and, and filled his shoes didn't play great because he almost came up with the game ceiling interception on that final drive in the end zone. But it's still not quite the same when a, a leader of the defense goes down and, and be someone who's bringing that much energy. So that off the rip was a huge disappointment. But I agree. in terms of the actual gameplay in the first half, it was very slow. It looked like that uh, Patriots Super Bowl against the Rams in the first half was giving shades of that. Yeah. And then... That was definitely said at my Super Bowl party as well. Yeah, and then uh, the Niners started to roll a little bit. And I'm not saying that they rolled by getting one or two scores, but in a game like that... To get the first full score of the game is absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. And in the way that they did it, I think that if they had won that game, their trick play where Juwan Jennings threw the ball to Christian McCaffrey and they scored a touchdown off it, it would have been the best trick play in Super Bowl history. It would have been even better than the Nick Foles touchdown. I don't know if it would have been better than the Philly special. but Maybe not better than the Philly special, but it would have been remembered as, oh, like... When we think of that Super Bowl, we think of the Philly special. When we think of this Super Bowl, we would have thought of that had they won this game. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, there were a lot of questions around whether or not Brock Purdy was going to play well. I thought he played fantastic in that first half. Agreed. None of of the bad decisions that we were worried about him making. And Juwan Jennings had a great first. He had 46 yards in the first half. Yeah. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had 80 combined yards in the first half. I just thought that they were playing really well. However, against the Chiefs, a seven-point lead is not enough at halftime because Andy Reid's going to go in there and he's going to make all the changes that he has to make. So they needed to be up 13-3, to 17-3. They need to have a bigger lead than that. A little bit of a stat uh, before you go into your next point. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is 8-2 in the playoffs when trailing at halftime. He's eight and two in the playoffs when trailing it happened. That is an now nine and two. That is a crazy stat about how the clutch gene just kind of kicks in for him, um, and how this Chiefs team really opens up in the second half. But keep going with your game breakdown. You're doing a great job. Yeah. So I mean, it was definitely a football fan's first half. It wasn't like any sort of. There was the big play, obviously, that went to, um, who caught the. Was it McCole Harmon? Yeah, McCole Harmon caught the big pass. Yep. Uh, it was and like 60 convert. yards. They didn't get a touchdown on that. And then they fumbled. And it was a huge turnover for the Niners defense. But at that moment, I was like, okay, here we go. The Chiefs are starting to finally heat up. And then the Niners did what they had to to stop them. So, again, first half totally went the Niners' way. On to you. Yep. I'm, hey, I just think that there were a lot of plays like that that the Niners didn't capitalize on. You know? Um like, I think when, once we get into the second half, um, we're going to get back to the halftime show in a little bit. It became more of an even game. Uh, like, look, there, there of course, um, you come out of the second half, and then the first team to get the ball is going to be the, uh, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, and they have to settle for a field goal after, um, after halftime. Um, I think they punt their first drive, then San Francisco punts. It becomes a bit of a punting battle, and then – Harrison Bucker does what he does. He nails a 57-yard field goal. It should be noted that there were only seven 50-plus-yard field goals in the NFL in the Super Bowl, like in the history of the sport, and there were three, three of them in this game. Yeah, and even for easy. even for Jake Moody to come in as a rookie in the Agreed. Super Bowl and Agreed. kick a 53-yard field goal to open up the scoring was amazing. Yep. 
Um, and then, you know, there's another three and out. So the, the uh, 49ers have to punt again. And then um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling catches a 16-yard touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. And Harrison Bucker nails the field goal for Kansas City to go up 13-10 to 10 on the 49ers. But yeah, then, I mean, the, the, the muff punt to me, yeah, it was... It was frustrating to watch because Ray Ray McLeod, like it wasn't like it was Ray Ray McLeod's fault, and it wasn't like it was necessarily the guy who was trying to block's fault either. It was just like a total fluke play yep. that no one expected was going to happen. And I feel like Ray Ray is also known to be a pretty good punt returner. Like he knows Agreed. what he's doing. When when that ball went to the ground and he like he touched it, everybody on who was watching the game on my side was like, "What is he doing?" But the fact that he had the initiative to realize that it hit off his player's foot and try to make a play on the ball. I thought that was, you know, I thought it was commendable. I thought he should have just dove on it instead of trying to pick it up. And it ultimately led to a Kansas City touchdown, which was one of the one of the plays that the Kansas City Chiefs capitalized on that the 49ers did not. The 49ers had an interception in this half and actually had that happen in um, the Chiefs half of the field. And they got driven back due to penalties and due to sacks. So they should have scored on that too, the the forty ers And I, I think Those that, are plays that you have to make against the Chiefs. I think that plays the Ray Ray McLeod. I'm gonna I'm calling it the Ray Ray McLeod muffed punt. It wasn't yeah. his fault. So the fluke punt was something. It was one of the two plays in my mind in this game that directly influenced the outcome that the Niners could have avoided and would have won them this game. And the Chiefs I mean, didn't have any of those plays. There, I can't think of a single Chiefs play where I was like, if they didn't make that play, the Niners would have won. But I can think of two that the Niners had happened to them that weren't even necessarily their fault, but where they just either got unlucky or got outplayed. And the second one is the Niners came back and scored in the second half to open up the scoring in the second half. And they got their PAT. They got their PAT blocked by Chris Jones to, to open up the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Fourth quarter. Yeah, I'm sorry. Fourth quarter. Jennings makes a 10-yard catch. He was playing like a beast. I thought that he was going to be the MVP of the game. I agree with that. Um, He threw a pass touchdown, and he caught a pass touchdown. Something that I don't don't know how many players have ever done that. Uh, It's only two. And you know who the other one is? Yeah. Nick Foles. Yeah. Only two players have ever done it. That's a pretty crazy stat, too. Um but then, yes, the block, the blocked extra point is definitely a fluke thing that needs to be talked about too. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. I don't necessarily think that's on the kicker. Like that's just a crazy fluke play that happens. You know, someone makes a play on the ball. Yeah. So. And, and so I don't think that I honestly thought the Niners played an almost perfect game, and then had two things happen to them that they really didn't have much control over. I really thought that Brock Purdy played well enough to win this game. I agree. I, I, I don't it, like. I, I think he got a lot of slander and hate online for the way that he played because I think that the, the game manager argument kind of shown through the fact that like he couldn't defeat you know one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen. Um, but like I think he played well enough to win. I really do. I think there were a couple of plays that got away from the the 49ers, the block punt, the uh, muffed field goal, and then the fact that they couldn't convert on that interception. And other than those three plays, the Chiefs just played incredibly well. Like there were from from the second half on, the Chiefs were in control of the game in my opinion. 
I I don't know if the Chiefs were in control of the game until the fourth quarter. Yeah, they came yeah. down. They that obviously the punt was a huge momentum shift, and then the Niners couldn't get anything going at all. We talked about how the Niners were a, last episode. We talked about how the Niners were a bad first half team and mm-hmm. came back in the second half. Yep, it was the opposite. They were a great team in the first half, and then once the Chiefs got going, they couldn't get anything on offense. McCaffrey started to. I mean, I'm not going to say that he played badly at all well, they but winning. there was a there was definitely a lull in his production they couldn't really get the run game going in the third they and early fourth from the run game they went away from the run game they tried to pass the ball on first down a, a right. bunch of times and it led to it led to issues i think if you have the best player in the league on your bench in christian mccaffrey you have to be giving him the ball especially is, when he has 160 yards in the yeah. game something that calls into question um kyle shanahan's coaching ability with with that one but um, it just seems strange. It seems strange that you would you would do that to your best player. But that being said, um, you have the Jawan Jennings touchdown and then the blo- the the um, the blocked extra point. Um, the Chiefs had to settle for a field goal on their next drive, and then Jake Moody hits a field goal that looks like that's going to win the game. But what Jack and I were texting each other throughout that entire drive, when the Chiefs are driving down the field to try and send this game to overtime is you left way too much time on the clock. A minute and 56 seconds is way too much time. And again, credit to uh, Jake Moody. A 43-yard kick is not a short kick. It's not a chip shot. 53 yards. Oh, it was a 53-yarder. 53 yards. I'm sorry, a 53-yarder. Not a chip shot by any means. Rookie kicker steps up and nails it. Yep. Huge credit to Jake Moody. Huge credit to Harrison Bucker. In my opinion especially for the first part of the year until Moody started to struggle. They were the best two kickers in the league with the addition of Justin Tucker. Those were the top three kickers in the league. Yeah. And they definitely both played incredibly well. And they're both guys where once you get across half field, you don't have to worry because you're going to put points on the board. They're in range. Yeah. But it should be noted that if they make that extra point, the chiefs in that minute and 56 seconds would have to score a touchdown. Score a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but then they drive down the field. Harrison Butker does what he does, and he nails a 30-yarder, sends this game to overtime. Now, the new overtime rule. I want to get your I want to get your thoughts on this before we go into what actually happened on overtime. Do you like the way that it's formatted where it's not a coin toss that decides the game? Well, so you have to call back to 2018. Okay. The Patriots are playing the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Yep. Game goes to overtime. Patriots win the coin toss and score and win the game. Yep. Kansas City is up in arms about the rules, calling for change, saying that yep. something needs to be different, mm-hmm. and they got the rule change. Well, well, then you also have the case of the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas Again, City Chiefs. yes. When the same City Chiefs same deal. The coin toss, and then you have guys like just, um, Josh Allen up in arms about the fact that they would have scored if they had gotten the ball. Right. Um, so to answer your question, I like the new overtime rule. It's okay. a lot like college overtime, which is notoriously no, well, it's not, it's not in the sense where both teams get the get a chance yeah, to have the ball. It's college a lot like college overtime. College overtime is crazy, but yeah. Yeah, but back to my point. Go ahead. Both teams get a ball or get a drive and the chance to either tie or win the game. Mm-hmm. I love that rule. Yeah. I think that it's I think that it's amazing. And a lot of people are calling out the 49ers saying, "Why did you take the ball first? 
Well, if you're in overtime and you both score and you get the ball back, then you get a chance to win the game. Right. Kyle Shanahan was betting on himself. And if I'm in that scenario, I'm doing the same thing. And the Niners had a chance to win that game or not win the game, but they had a chance to put a full seven on the board and couldn't convert. And that's football. So you can't really pin it on them choosing the wrong toss. Yep. Because had they won a touchdown or had they won the toss, scored a touchdown, Chiefs come back and answer. All they have to do is get across the 50 and Jake Moody's knocking another one in to win the game. Right. So you can't hate on Kyle Shanahan for making that move. It's super ballsy. And maybe that's what people don't like. I agree. I think that was the correct call was to take the ball. And I Um, thought that the 49ers looked great, especially when Christian McCaffrey busted that reception up the left-hand side. I thought they were going to score. I thought they were going to score. But then what did they do? They went away from the run game, Mm -hmm. threw on first down, Mm -hmm. left themselves on second and 10, left themselves on third and eight, and couldn't convert. And it should also be noted that they were put in that position because of a holding call. Um, There was a, you know, on third down, the Chiefs held one of, I think it was Jawan Jennings. I think they held Jawan Jennings. Um, Or it may have been Ayuk. One of the two. But um, Brandon Ayuk was held, like, way in check in this game, too. That should be noted. Um, He only had three receptions for, like, I don't know, 40-something yards, I think. But his receptions always came at a time where they needed them, and that's True. what he does. True. And George Kittle also did not have a fantastic game. Um, but that being said, like, yes, I agree with you. Like, I think that Kyle Shanahan made the correct decision by taking the ball first and giving himself a chance to win the game. Ultimately, if they scored, got a stop, and then or scored, the other team scored, and then they score again, game's over. Right. Um, and then And then you go down and you kick a field goal, better than putting zero points on the board and punting, you kick yep. your field goal, give the ball back to the Chiefs. They had them on fourth down. They had them on third and long multiple times. Seven. And Patrick yeah. Mahomes did what Patrick Mahomes does, used mm-hmm. his feet, which was what he was given, to get right. the first down twice in a row. And then they went down. And, and, and I mean, once they passed that 50-yard line, yeah. everyone in the building knew that it was game over. Yeah, I think you knew once they got into the red zone that it was game. They made a big play. Uh, Travis Kelsey was making plays. He only had one yard in the first half. I don't know how many he ended with, but it was well over that. He had nine um, receptions in the second half. Yeah, for how many yards? Uh, 93. Nine for 93. So he had eight receptions in the second half um, for 92 yards. Big players making big plays in the big moments. And they went to their bread and butter. They threw over the middle when the, the they were just picking this zone apart when – the blitz came or when um, everybody was covered, Patrick Mahomes would run up the middle and get 10 to 15 yards every time. Something that Brock Purdy was failing to do, I think, throughout the game was to use his legs. Um, and that being said, I think Patrick Mahomes is a better runner than him. But they were just dicing the San Francisco defense up the entire final drive, and it led to a touchdown. Six-yard touchdown to McCole Hardman, someone who was cut by the the New York Jets. Um. And that's the Super Bowl. That's it. And a lot of times with the Chiefs, something happens where you can be like, no, they didn't They didn't deserve to win. This happened. Yeah, this did. went in their favor. They just won. They're just incredibly good at football. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world, which makes me sit back and be like, all right, this is why people hated us for so long. And I say us like I'm on the team, but you know what I mean. This is why people hated the Patriots for so long. Because they would just outplay them and win. And it's the most frustrating thing because there's nothing to pin it on. 
but yeah. they played so well. They deserve to win this Super Bowl. Agreed. And Agreed. they made the big plays when it counted, and they're taking home the Lombardi Trophy for the third time in five years. So let's talk about their dynasty. Are they better than the Patriots dynasty? They're definitely younger. They're definitely suited to go make a run like the Patriots did. And I hate the Patrick Mahomes goat talk, but there's definitely a plausible reality in which he wins four more Super Bowls, five more Super Bowls, and continues this reign of terror for the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah, I I think um, I think that Patrick Mahomes would have to win eight Super Bowls in order to be the greatest of all time. Just because Tom Brady has the fact that he beat him in the Tampa Bay versus Kansas City Super Bowl. And the um, fact that he's done it with it. three completely different rosters. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's um, it's definitely it's definitely becoming more of a reality than I would like to admit as a Patriots fan, is the fact that Patrick Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback and one that will be a problem for years to come. He has three Super Bowls at 26. I don't know if anybody has ever had that many Super Bowls at that young of an age. Tom Brady. Is he the only person? Yeah, he's the only person. Because there's only there's only a small handful of guys who have three Super Bowls. And Patrick Mahomes has it at 26, along with two MVPs and six Pro Bowls. Yep. There's and definitely a case for him to be the greatest quarterback of all time. I already think that he is a better quarterback than everyone that we grew up watching. Okay. He's a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger. He's a better quarterback than Eli Manning. He's a better quarterback than Elway and Marino. And a lot of old heads are out there being upset about it. Mm -hmm. But open your eyes and watch him play. He's a better quarterback than your favorite quarterback. Yeah. Unless it's Tom Brady. Yep. And I think that it's time for people to start accepting that. And I'm honestly a little worried for the state of the NFL. Because if they won this year... With all of the problems that they had, it's going to be trouble moving forward. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. Um, and, you know, they don't show any signs of slowing down. Like, I think the reason that the Patriots dynasty stands out from every other dynasty in sports we've ever seen is the longevity of it. The fact that it was around for 20 years, you know, the fact that there were peaks and valleys within it. There were times where they won three Super Bowls and then they went on a little bit of a drought and then somehow miraculously they came back and won another three Super Bowls at the, you know, at the end of Tom Brady's tenure in, you know, in Patriots blue. Um, and I think the question for this Chiefs team is, can they continue to win like this? And I think Andy Reid, after finally getting over the hump and winning his first Super Bowl, has finally decided that he knows how to coach in the Super Bowl. You know, his coaching is... Incredible even then, style. even then, in that overtime period, if they don't score with McCole Hardman, if the 49ers get a stop, they literally can't stop the clock and it goes to double overtime. Yeah. So his story has been clock management. I thought okay. he managed the clock horribly. And my Fine. only hope once the Chiefs got into the red zone, when they snapped that ball with six seconds on the clock, mm -hmm. was that there would be a miracle and it would go to double overtime. Or would the game event, the game would have ended. No, the game wouldn't have ended. They would have played double overtime. Both teams got a full drive. Right, full drive. I'm sorry. So they would have gotten double overtime. But that was the last thing that I was holding hope for. Was that Andy Reid's clock management would be a problem for them in this game? Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I had a, I had another point. I don't remember what I was going to say now. Um, but yeah, I think Andy Reid has proven to himself to be an elite quarterback in, in this league or an elite coach in this league. Um, and I really don't see there being any argument against that. Like this team is dominant and they have been dominant and I think they will continue to be dominant. And the fact of the matter is there's only one team that's ever like really beaten them in the AFC championship game. And that's the Bengals. And they had a really bad year last year. So how's Joe Shiesty going to feel about it going into this next year? Coming and up? with a healthy Joe Burrow, obviously T Higgins is a free agent. Yeah, so he may walk. Yep. Joe Mixon's getting older. Mm-hmm. But any team with Burrow and Jamar Chase, if they can figure out that offensive line, and if yep. they can if they can figure out just their roster, like if they can just figure it out, I I understand the argument about the Bills, but I just don't see the Bills beating them. The Chiefs beat them every year, and it's never even a question. I know that they missed a field goal, the Bills did this year, but... I just don't have any trust in the Bills ever getting it together to beat the Chiefs. I think that the Bengals have the best shot to do it. They've already done it once. I think they can do it again. But at this point, it's the league versus the Chiefs. Whoever's playing the Chiefs is who I'm going to be rooting for. And that's how it was against our Patriots for so long. Mm-hmm. And now it, we're on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And I, I, lit- I get so frustrated watching it. But it's hard to not appreciate greatness, and that's what we're watching. Agreed. Agreed. I have another question for you, though, before we before we move on uh, to some of the, the prop stuff that happened over the, the course of the Super Bowl. Are the San Francisco 49ers considered a f- cursed franchise? I mean, it's, it's really hard to – that's a hard question. Yep. Because if you're calling any team with four Super Bowls a cursed franchise, yeah. that's unheard of. Agreed. However, they have lost in their last three Super Bowl appearances. And yeah, I can I can give you the stats right now if you want them. Yeah, yeah. Hit me. All right. So, 2011, they lose by three in overtime in the NFC Championship game. 2012, they lose by three in the Super Bowl to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, in 2013, they lose by six in the NFC Championship game to the Seahawks. That's the um. I think that's the Richard Sherman knocks the ball away from Michael Crabtree game. Um, And then 2019, they lose by 10 or 11 um, to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. 2021, they lose by three to the LA Rams in the NFC Championship game. 2022, they lose badly by uh, 28 to the – or it's not 28. That is quick math. Hold on. 24 to the Eagles um, in the NFC championship game. And then this year they lose in the Super Bowl. So I, I so think that, I think that in recent history, you can't call them four, cursed. That's four years of losing in the NFC championship and three losing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't think that in recent, like you can't call them cursed because again, they went down everyone last year. And a lot of people thought that they would have won that game. Yeah, I'm not one of them, but a lot of people do against the Eagles. That is. They beat the Packers in a incredibly like no one thought they were going to win. They right. went into Green Bay and beat them because of their special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, in the year that the Bucks went to the Super Bowl, and I don't think that it's a matter of cursed so much as a matter of 
they can't get it done in big moments time and time again. Mm. And being a 49ers fan right now must be torture because there's nothing worse than getting to the doorstep. Like when the Celtics went to the finals and lost, there was no worse feeling than being on the doorstep of winning a championship and just plainly not being able to get it done. And they've been there time and time again. So no, I don't think they're cursed. They have one of the most rich histories in the entire NFL. Agreed. I think it's more of a point that they can't get it done in big moments repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm going to hold you to that. I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see with this team. But I think it's going to become more and more of a conversation um, if this continues to happen to the 49ers in these big games. And even moving forward, their roster is built up of so many superstars. John Lynch has done such a good job of putting them in the epitome of win now. Yep. So when are you going to win? They can't hold on to this team forever. They have so many guys on max contracts that free agency is going to be a burden in one or two years' time. They have a very short window. So it's time for them to step up and finish. Agreed. And Agreed. I think that I think that they played well enough to win, but just got outplayed. Mm-hmm. And I think their time is coming, but it has to it has to be soon, or else it's never gonna happen. Agreed. However, that's enough about the game. Again, a fantastic Super Bowl. Thoroughly enjoyed watching it and was absolutely crushed when the Niners lost. But you can't even be upset when a team that good beats another team that played perfectly. Agreed. So let's move into the storylines because that's what everyone's here for. Yeah, dude. We started off hot. The National Anthem overhit. And it was looking a little grim there. On that second brave. But Reba McIntyre held that last note long enough, and I promise you the entire bar went crazy when she hit that 90.5 plus. Huge stuff from Reba there. But then Gronk missed the kick of destiny, which was gutting. Followed by something that has never happened in the history of time, and that is tails failing. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. I don't know what happened. I don't, I don't think that. that's that's it's ever happened before. Alex, I've never flipped a coin and it tails failed in my life. It didn't fail in overtime. It hit in overtime. I know, I know. But then, first kick goes out for a touchback, and then the game happens. Uh, we we talked about the touchback, and we said that if Jake Moody was kicking the brand new football, we would think that it would be in play, and if Harrison Butker was the one kicking the brand new football, it would probably be a touchback. Thank you, Harrison, for proving me right. Um, proving me right? Well, yeah. I said no touchback because it's more fun to think that way. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. That happened. And then the halftime show rolled around. Oh, boy. And Alex, it was a very controversial halftime show. A lot of people really? really don't like it. Really? Personally, I thought it was great. I loved it. I'm not a huge Usher guy, so the first – Four or five songs I wasn't a huge fan of. Okay. But then once he started playing the songs that I knew, I was disappointed there was no DJ God Has Fallen In Love. <laughs> There's a song called More By Usher that was absolutely huge when we were younger yeah. that he wasn't able to play. Got snubbed. Got snubbed. But I really thought that it was good. I liked the songs that I knew. Yeah. I did think he got a little handsy with Alicia Keys. Like, that's not your woman, bro. Back off. Like, I think that was a little crazy. Yeah, but I, got, I thought it was I thought it was good in the moment, and then I sat back. I was like, that was really kind of a mediocre, all around halftime show. Okay, I mean, I got a little bit of hate from my boys from my comments about the halftime show going into it, 
um, when I said that I wasn't sure if Usher was going to garner a big enough audience, you know, for this to be for this to be a massive halftime show. And I thought I was proven wrong. You know, I, I going into this halftime show, like there were a lot of bangers that he had that I just kind of forgot about him being like him singing and stuff like that. Um, I thought the people that he brought out were pretty great. Um, you know, oh, and the line smacked at one and a half. Yeah, and I got both yeah. my predictions right. Yeah, so I mean, of course we we were expecting Lil John to come out because yeah, it's his biggest song. It's the one that most people know, I would say. Um, but Alicia Keys being there was a surprise, and it was a pleasant one for me. For um, sure, big Alicia Keys fan. Her being there was pretty cool. I don't think she was playing the guitar. No correctly. chance. But a lot <laughs> um, of people had no idea who that was. Yeah. Right when she walked out, I was like, that's her. That's her right yeah. there. Look at her. Yeah, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? I was like, that's her name. Her name is her. Yeah, her name is her. It, it, so, like, love that. Um, and then Ludacris, you know? CeeLo Green. CeeLo Green. Will I Am came out for Oh My Will God. I am. Yeah. I forgot about Will I Am. CeeLo Green being there is a little bit strange. Um, I think it might have uh, just been Will I Am. No, CeeLo was there. Regardless. Will I Am coming out was I'm one that, that, I'm looking that up. maybe I should have gotten, but even then he had five guests. Usher had five guests come out. I thought that was great because for a guy who ne- maybe doesn't have that much pull, seeing all those guys from our childhood and her was like, damn, that was a that was a really pleasant surprise. Agreed. Agreed. So all in all, halftime show was good. Commercials were good, not great, not yeah, awful. None, none super memorable. None super memorable, but at the same time, it wasn't a memorably bad, yeah, memorably it was, bad it was commercials. Jermaine Dupree, not CeeLo Green. That's my bad. I definitely thought it was CeeLo Green. I, that would have made a lot less sense if it was CeeLo Green. Though, so yeah, I'm glad that I, I did think that um, it was him in the moment too. Okay, <laughs> glad I wasn't the only one there. But um, yeah, I agree. There was no Puppy Monkey Baby this year which is too bad because that commercial was electric um none of them really stood out to me i don't think i don't think any of them were as memorable as puppy monkey baby but that's a pretty high bar and i didn't think that like when i was watching them i was like okay that one was good okay that one was good so i didn't think it was horrible um and i was i was i will say pleasantly it met the bar, I will say. Yeah, fine. My dad really liked the Dunkin' Donuts one. Don't know. Yeah, I thought it was good. It was and I'm a big Harleasy guy, so seeing him in there was great. And then, obviously, Tom Brady and all the Boston guys. That one was a yeah. good one for me. Yeah. Yeah, hit home. Hit home. So, all in all, great Super Bowl. Hopefully, we'll get some new teams in there next year. Even one new yeah. team, hopefully, out of the AFC. Yeah, please. But. Please don't let the Chiefs go back. The game was good. Should be, should be noted, Taylor Swift in his in her first Super Bowl brings one back to Kansas City. So praise Taylor Swift. Thank um, you, Taylor. Price Thank you, Taylor, for just existing. Who were in those box seats. Jack has been on a Taylor Swift binge. I don't know if that's something that he wants publicly said out there, but I need no, I don't care. Put it I put it out there for everyone to hear. If this is something that I should be looking into more. Or if this is just a problem with him that I need to get fixed as soon as possible. You know what? While we're here, yeah. 
Swifties, I'd like to apologize. I thought for so long that you were trying to intoxicate everyone that didn't want to listen with your favorite artist because you just wanted to shove the fact that she is a queen down our throat. When really you were just trying to put us on to some of the best music ever made. So thank you. And I apologize for the way that I've treated you over the past 18, almost 19 years of my life. Thank you. However, uh, seeing Taylor Swift with Travis Kelsey hurts. And I really don't know if I can do another year of her being shown every five seconds with <laughs> ice spice in the, in the box. Like, the come box. on. <laughs> However, I could see Jason Kelsey in a wrestler mask in the box for the rest of my life. That was incredibly entertaining to watch. He ran into a tree after the game. That video is hilarious. Have you seen that? No, I got to look that up. There's a video of Travis Kelsey giving Taylor Swift his jacket like this. And in the, in the corner, you can see Jason Kelsey running into a tree. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. But all in all, Great Super Bowl, good halftime, good commercials. Yeah. And I just can't wait for football to come back. But Alex, it's time that we shift into full basketball mode. March Madness is around the corner. It's time to put the Super Bowl behind us and move on to the next events. So as always, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl as much as we did. Agreed. And this has been the Corner Office. I'm Jack Byrne. And I'm Alex. Corner three.